Have you ever wanted to influence others to shift their behaviors, ideas, or actions without playing power trip games? If so, listen for the next hour. Welcome to TFR. This feels right with your host, Joel Silverstone. You'll learn the tools and concepts to influence others with everyone involved maintaining their respect and understanding. So it doesn't seem like it's all one way. Now, here is Joel Silverstone. Welcome to TFR, This Feels Right. And yes, I am your host, Joel Silverstone, that's correct. Uh, And with us today is Josh Snyder. So let's just, before we jump in, let's check in with Josh and see how he's feeling during this holiday season. So Josh, how are you feeling? Joel, doing well. I've put the eggnog down (laughs) and, uh, and I'm ready to rehydrate with water. Great, great, great. And, and if I understand correctly, you're on a uh, 24-hour no cookies, no meat. Is that correct? Just trying to get you know, just trying to get a good night's sleep, you know? You just <laughs> it's my it's my birthday a few days before Christmas and so this time of season just it feels festive. Yes, yes. Me too. It's my birthday around this time as well. So I know what you mean. It's like, should we have cake? It's like I I I can't eat any more cake. <laughs> Um, So welcome to TFR again, and I'm your host, Joel Silverstone, and for over 20 years, I've been helping people in business and sometimes in life to be more influential using their communication skills. And what that really means is that they're able to speak to the emotions and the logic to be able to get others engaged. Uh, And our show focuses on the emotions because really for so many of us, that is our first reaction. That's what we like to call our, our gut instinct. And it's that point where we ask ourselves, does this feel right? Well, listeners, you are in the right place if you want to learn from leaders, coaches, and speakers, and authors sharing their examples and perspectives on how they've been able to influence behaviors, ideas, and actions, and not be manipulative. Our first guest today is Josh Snyder. Uh, and Josh Snyder is, very interestingly enough, in a former life, was a auditor uh, and was unhappy, in his own words, uh, in doing that job. And he became because he wasn't getting, and again, this is his own words, that tingly feeling when he was going to work. Um, so uh, he is a author, a speaker, and he's a founder now of the Millennial Employee Engagement Institute, uh, which is, and he has a firm belief that uh, people uh, can be more engaged, and if they're more engaged, they're going to be happier and more productive at work. Josh, let me check in with you. Is that correct so far? Joel, it sounds it sounds right. I think... The only piece we're missing is a is a sleepless father of, of three kids under five. Oh my god! All all surprises, no accidents. Yeah, just three surprises, uh, untimed, of course. Well, uh, my ha- hats off to you for being able to juggle that, and I know you travel quite a fair bit, so um, hats off to your partner as well to be able Absolutely. to. Uh, to juggle that as well. Uh, today's show is going to be really uh, fun as we go into 2020. And Josh, I'm so glad you're here because um, this is such a big theme of our show about engagement and recognition as really uh, motivating triggers to influence happiness and work and improve performance. Uh, and then our second half of the show, uh, we are going to be reflecting back on uh, what I like to say is uh, some of the best of, of uh, from TFR from 2019 from all of our superstar guests, uh, some of the tips 
tips and techniques and mindsets that you could then take into 2020. So let's start with with Josh, our first part of our show. And, um, you know, in the intro, we talked about, uh, in your own words, and I love this because uh, you and I did a Disrupt HR speak. And uh, uh, one of the things that really stood out for me was your your talk about that, that tingly feeling and how that relates to neuroscience. So uh, let's start with that. Let's start with, tell me, tell us a little bit more about that tingly feeling and neuroscience. For sure. And and like you said, yeah, my job as an auditor, it, it didn't give me the tingly feeling. And I don't think mm-hmm. anybody, and myself included, ever starts a career using that thought process. <laughs> and it was one day out at a client, a coworker and I were, we, it was like eight o'clock and all of a sudden she looks up at me and she's like, Josh, I have a tingly feeling. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. And and she goes on to elaborate that she she's like, I got a tingly feeling because the numbers matched. And which was like, it blew my mind because I'm like, Jen, you just said that Microsoft Excel gave you a tingly feeling. That's that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. And and she elaborated a little bit more. And she just said, when I when I do all this work and I get the numbers to match, it it truly excites me. And and I got ticked because I when that would happen for me as an auditor, I, I'm like, I just wasted two days or two hours or two weeks of my life because nothing changed. And, you know, I, I kind of just tossed that thought process to the side. And years later, in, in the work that I do now, like you said, speaker, author, um, that, that memory kind of floated to the surface. And so we started to do some digging. And, and a lot of the research is around this idea of the employee brain because, we're like, what drives motivation? What what excites us? What engages us? What even energizes us at work? And what we realized is that Jen was actually telling the truth. Mm-hmm. She physically had a tingly feeling because what we've been able to find out is when you're when you do something that you enjoy, like whether it's whether it's a drink with friends, whether it's a great movie, whether it's an incredible experience, whether you're just with close people that you truly bond with. Um, oxytocin, dopamine, and, uh, and serotonin are these chemicals in our body, these neurotransmitters that are released. And so, you know, to, to, to shorten this long, Jen had a, a, just an, an incredible dump of oxytocin and serotonin and dopamine released into her system when those numbers match. And it just set us on a journey of if we can help somebody find what feels good at work, mm-hmm. They'll want to repeat it. They'll want to do it again, and they'll show up more excited, more energized for what it is that they do. Yeah. What I like about that is Jen was able to find it for herself. So nobody, which which I think is 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 rare, right? And I think that's what you're saying is you're trying to we're trying to help people on uh, find out how they can find that that release of those those chemicals in the brain, um, and and maybe as leaders, how leaders can also help get that get that triggered. Is that, is that right? A hundred percent. And I think too, what's so valuable about the experience with Jen is that it was this small little thing. Mm. And, and what we've actually realized, because I said, that's, you know, having been through the pain of that, getting the numbers to match or getting the work to that point, what we found is that it happens about four to 5% of our work weeks meaning that 90 plus percent of our work is in some ways unrewarding. And so, so many of us, we, we shift our focus to that huge block of work that takes dedication, effort, energy, drains us. 
And we lose sight of the fact that there's this beautiful part of our work that that re-energizes, excites us, and moves us forward. And and then the third thing Jen did as well is she actually just took a moment and stopped and recognized it. And so, you know, as a leader, it's getting to help your people realize, well, I mean, A, we've got to find out what that thing is. And it, it, it could be a smile on somebody's face. It could be a client shooting you a text message just saying, if it wasn't for you, X, Y, Z. It, it, it doesn't have to be big monumental things. It, it can be the way that you close a folder when you know this project has has reached this stage. It, I don't care what that thing is, but we have to find it. Number two is we have to be able to to stop and take a moment um, and, and revel in that, and and then we just have to to find, we have to help our people celebrate it. It's, uh, uh, you know, I, I can really relate to this because this is, uh, I like to call myself a, a reward junkie, which is uh, meaning I, I don't like the journey. <laughs> People say, oh, enjoy the journey. It's like, mm, I don't enjoy the journey so much. Uh, but what keeps me going is what I like to call, you know, future Joel, is that I can see future Joel out there. Um, and, uh, you know, I do these obstacle course racings as an example. And uh, I, I can't stand r- running through the mud and jumping over the fences and all that. But all I can think about is that future moment where, uh, like you said, I celebrate that I did it. And that's where all those chemicals are released. But they're not released during the journey. And I think, and that's good. And that's where we've, we learned to fall in, in love with the journey. And, and so, you know, to kind of take this a step deeper to mm-hmm. try and like make it a little bit more practical, what we've started to look at is work on these different layers, these different levels. And so even to like take that, that example of an obstacle um, uh, course, you mm-hmm. sick man. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um so one of the things that we look at a lot is something like the pace of work, because most people say either I love my job or I hate my job, which gives, gives us very little discernible information or gives that person something very little to like make action on. And so when we push deeper, usually two things are the first things that come out. Either they feel uh, underpaid or undervalued or their direct relationship with their manager and research from Gallup and, and all the above support that those are the reasons that make people either love or hate their job, um, which once again, gives us very little little action that we can take. If I'm in a position where I feel underpaid and I hate my boss, I have one choice, right? Get a new job. Right. And these are big life changes. And sometimes people have kids in different stages or different parts of life, or maybe the economy is, is shifting and they feel they don't want to take on that risk. And so we, we said, how can somebody make a, a, a real change or at least get some information? So that example of pace, um, you could take somebody like, for me, when I think of a real estate agent, you know, it's 7 a.m. and they are out the door and they're not back. They're not back home till 8, 15 p.m. And they throw the briefcase or they throw their bag down in the chair when they walk in and it's almost like they just wore a cape all day and they were just going from one appointment to the next, to the next, to lunch meeting, to drinks, to this, to this showing. And mm-hmm. the pace was just clipping along. And then you could take somebody like, maybe maybe somebody like a, a CPA, an auditor, mm-hmm. um, and they know what their schedule is going to look like for the next three to six plus months. They know what part of the country, what client, what their work is. It's going to be very methodical. 
And these are the two extremes. And so we've been able to start to measure some of these different pieces. And so, you know, with the obstacle course, it's like you probably love a little bit more of a, of a pace that's pushing forward to frenetic or you're just like, I just got to go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to figure out how do we take those experiences, those learnings that we know about ourselves as humans and start to put them into our work. So then when somebody says, I hate my job, we're like, well, talk to me about what does a day look like for you? And then it's, let's talk about what a day should look like. What do you enjoy? What do you love? And so pace is just one of these elements. Um, But what we see is that somebody might love that run and gun, that high pressure environment, if you will. And all of a sudden they get put on a project that's slow moving. It's a three-year project and it's step after step. And they wake up one day and they think, I used to love my job, but I, I, I am so unhappy right now. And so what we're trying to do is get people into alignment with what that tingly feeling is and what parts of their work truly make them come alive. Understanding what is, uh, you know, like the Jen example, right? So helping people to discover, it's kind of like uh, one of our past guests was talking about, for example, confidence is um, you might be confident in certain situations, you might not be. Well, it's, it's actually examining what are the things that you're confident about. So what I'm hearing, you know, Josh say here is that what is it that you do love about these certain parts? And let's let's find a way to, to capitalize that or even to celebrate those those moments that you, you enjoy. And I think as, as leaders, leaders, uh, you know, this is a huge part because uh, I think one of the stats you share about Gallup saying that 70% of employees are disengaged and I think 20-25% of those are actually actually un- unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is a leader's job and I think this is what you uh, you probably work a lot with the leaders as well on how they can tap in to what you're talking about, how they can, because you, like you said, the word undervalue, how they can make them feel more recognized. Um, I know I was just recently working with a bank um, and the bank was all formed on People who were good at sales were rewarded, but um, but there was no real genuine recognition. And as you said, so focusing on the genuine genuine recognition, not just hey, good job, but good yeah. job specifically on what they're celebrating, uh, release these these chemicals. So so tell me, you know what? How leaders can can be more aware of this, or how can they be able to tap into this? I think it's there's the first question you got to ask yourself is does this person have a pulse? And if the answer is yes, mm-hmm. then, then we feel like they need, they need this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's human nature. Um, you know, when we, when we re- remove ourselves from work, we do the things that we love the most, or at least we are constantly trying to hang out with or be around or do those experiences and be with those people that, that mean the most. And, and a lot of times, especially with relationships, oxytocin is created and oxytocin can actually be transferred from one person to the, the, the next with a 20 second hug. Uh, so it's not practical. And, mm-hmm. and to give you just like a quick clips of the, the power of oxytocin, when a woman gives birth, her body uh, produces about a 500 X boost of oxytocin. And that's how she goes from just immense pain to that next moment of just pure unfiltered joy. And, and so what happens is this oxytocin, when it's, when it's created, it triggers, um, it triggers a series of, of kind of reactions, nitric oxide, nitric oxide triggers endothelial derived relaxing factor. And all of a sudden 
the, the, the arteries in our heart actually swell. They actually get larger. And so we're, we actually are feeling more full in our heart because there's more blood in our heart. When people can show up with love, what we see is there's the difference between love and fear and love and fear cannot exist in the same, at the same time. And fear is beautiful when we're being chased by a bear. But Mm. as a manager, as a leader, we have to try to find ways to trigger this oxytocin, this close relationship. Now, HR managers are listening. They're like, Josh, no 20-second hug. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But if we can allow people and give, even sometimes give permission, and I know I myself can, can easily fall into the trap of not even giving permission to just love the process, love what we're doing by how it is that maybe sometimes I carry myself. And so we have to find ways because when we, especially the beautiful world of work that we're the, almost the unknown, beautiful world of technology and AI where, you know, you could be scared or we can look at it. We need people showing up fully, fully engaged. We need creative ideas, innovative thinking, breakthroughs, at like more than we've ever, and we know this. And so a leader needs to find ways to trigger this to get people in in proximity to doing tasks that they love and and being surrounded by a leader who says hey I care for you and what that does is it starts to push aside those fears and those doubts and when that heart starts to be fully in love then the brain and you know, I'm getting deep into some of the stuff that yeah. maybe I'm in my own research, but yeah. it just it opens up a whole new avenue of, of a way that somebody can perform. Listen, it, it it totally goes with the theme of the show, which is this feels right, which is exactly what you're saying, is that when the intention is there to um, to not uh, be authoritative and just go, you, come on now, get let's go, get the whip yeah. out. Um, yes. But the intention is actually about... Um, I care about you. Um, yeah. And obviously, like you said, HR is going to come in if I start going around and I'm sort of Joe Bidening everybody and hugging everyone for, <laughs> for 20 seconds. Uh, but even a smile and genuine positive feedback, like I hear you, I recognize you, and this is what you do well, um, I think will maybe not create that same uh, level of oxytocin like a 20 second, but it, it, I'm sure it comes pretty close. Exactly. And when when I feel that you as a human being are caring about me and helping me get into alignment, you know, I'm not thinking about this, like the eight factors. We're not thinking about our pace of work on a daily basis, if ever. But mm-hmm. if when a manager, a leader is equipped with understanding what we're seeing are these are the drivers that are mm-hmm. happening below the surface and we can help people get into alignment. Listen, I, I don't like to golf because my swing is not in alignment with how it should be. Mm-hmm. And that ball goes into the woods, but just a one or two millimeter tweak on that club face. When I come through and strike the ball, it, it makes the ball drive straight. And I think, okay, I can do this game. Um, and so same thing when a leader can get their people into alignment with how they best perform, whether they're aware of it or not, that just feels <laughs> this feels right. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> Hang on, we're just recording that sound bite. <laughs> Great, thank you. Well, you know, this is so this is a, a good cue. We'll 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 break here for our uh, what we like to call our improv or improve uh, your communication skills, Josh. Uh, so what we like to do is a little uh, exercise here and it's kind of uh, 
uh, very much in in tune. I, I was listening to you give an interview earlier about uh, about the word can't that we hear a lot of uh, a lot of can'ts uh, in our life. You can't do this. So this is a little exercise that we call yes but. Okay. All right. So this is the thing. So Josh, let's assume that you and I both work at the Millennial Employee uh, Millennial Employer Institute. Engagement Institute, uh, and. Um, uh, we are planning. We we've left it so to the last minute. We're planning a New Year's party. We have left it so to the last minute. <laughs> um, and you are going to try to bring me on board with some ideas that you want to do for the uh, for the party. And just to let okay. you know in advance, I'm going to always answer with yes, but. Okay. Right, so whenever you're ready, start us off with a couple of ideas. Okay, I was thinking everybody loves champagne so if we did a champagne and maybe prosecco tasting bar that would really show people we care about them yes but if anyone and we don't know everybody they could be offended that there's a lot of alcohol around okay well what if we put it in like one of the offices and made it like the the champagne suite yes but you know that's like shaming the people that do want to have a drink (laughs) okay do you think do you think that we could have any alcohol at the party or cash bar and we could reimburse people? Uh, yes, but this is now starting to get really complicated. Oh boy! That's true. All right, so let's pause. Let's pause here for a second, Josh. We're going to try it again. Okay. Don't change anything. We're going to go back in time, and this time I'm going to let you know. I'm going to always answer with yes and. So don't change anything. Go back. Start us. We're going to go back in time as though we never had our first conversation. Okay. Same thing. So I, so I was thinking for the party, mm-hmm. we could do like a champagne and Prosecco bar because it just, it sets off the new year. I think almost everybody loves that stuff and it'd be kind of like this fun, cool thing people could talk about. Yes. And that is, show, show, uh, you know, Josh, that is showing so much care uh, to do something really classy for everyone. Okay, do you think that we should try and keep, like, do we have a budget constraint for this party? Do we know how many people are coming? Uh, yes, uh, and let's find out. Let's get, get that list, and um, let's, you know, if we, if it's, and how we set up the glasses and everything, we can, that can maybe help with our budget, as opposed to maybe looking like it's a overflowing uh, bar. Ooh, like maybe when people walk in, part of one of the, the gifts, or they could get like a champagne flute, and we could have like a couple little stations set up and they could like put in like the sugar cranberries or little pieces of fruit and really have a lot of fun with it. Oh my, Josh, you're on fire. These are great ideas. <laughs> All right, I love we'll pause, it. We'll pause right here. <laughs> uh, so Josh, how are you feeling with the yes but in the first round? When you were I mean, yes butted. It was like, okay, okay. And all of a sudden I had this picture of like 19 people in like a, hotel room with a queen bed and they're all like jammed around like <laughs> slamming champagne because they're like i gotta get back out there like if it, it just it was like a dark room yes and how and how did it feel when you were being yes anded it was it was actually it felt good and all of a sudden i thought of things that i hadn't previously thought of and what's interesting right before you know we ended the exercise mm-hmm. i was i was just about to ask you what do you think we should do that would because it felt like you were just supporting, we were going somewhere and all of a sudden I was about to ask you and I feel like in my, in my mind, even if you would have been like, 
okay, I like that, but how could we take it back a notch to make it more simple or something like that? Like I could have been very agreeable. Yeah, the, the the whole idea of this this is yes and is is um is from the improvisation world. It's one of the first rules, and and the idea is about you don't always have to say yes and, but it's about having a collaborative mindset, and uh, very much ties in. We're talking about the the love and the fear. So if your intention is to to just go in and always dismiss the idea, you have that yes but uh, mindset, and if your idea is to go in and be more uh, loving and more open and more about caring about the person and collaborative, maybe you may not agree with the ideas, but you're at at least going to um, find a way to to collaborate mm-hmm. with that person. Um, so let me get. I want to give you an example that I, I heard you in an early interview earlier, and it reminded me of this commercial. I don't know if you remember this commercial quite a few years ago. Um, and uh, it's a uh, it's a kid. He's he's coming home. He's running home, and he he uh, comes into the house, and he says, "Dad, Dad, I got two A's." And then the dad, we don't see him. We just hear him from screaming from upstairs, going, "How many times have I told you not to slam the screen door?" <laughs> <laughs> and that, of course, really, uh, really stuck with me uh, because uh, that is that is so true. And it, it reminds me of the interview which you were talking about, which is um, how we we are focused on sort of the the kid comes yeah. home maybe with one or two A's, but we, we we just focus on the D. And I think we've all grown up in this environment where we brought home a report card and we focused on that D. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, I've seen some research that, that shows by the time we've turned about 18, we've heard, no, you can't, or some variation, 150,000 times. Yeah. Um, and then 5,000, we have this positive reinforcement. And so um, truly, like, <laughs> I guess, finding, you know, what feels right at work becomes so critical because if we can shift somebody to that thinking, we, we have to help them get out of this grain of, of this negative flow that just the environment that they've grown up in mm-hmm. that we've that we've grown up in mm-hmm. yeah no uh, <laughs> uh it, it really is about uh conditioning i think uh, as you said um so josh uh where can we uh find out more about you because i think we we've really only hit the, the tip of the iceberg about uh about engagement so where can we learn more or what what do you have uh, upcoming sure so I do have a, a, an incredible free resource called Five Days to Your Best Work Yet. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to employeebrain.com, um, you, can, you can download that for free there. And, um, you know, I, all of my stuff is on joshschneider.com. Okay. And truly, like, where we focus and where I interact the most now is on LinkedIn. So I'd love to connect, and especially with our articles that we write, always looking for questions that people have and we can, you know, kind of chip away and and help give as many insights. And I think, you know, if there's maybe one statement that just kind of closes out, at least, you know, this, what we've been talking about is Mm -hmm. um, a a huge casino magnet a few years ago said, when you can do something for somebody that they cannot do for themselves, you hit the bullseye in human relations. And I think as, as leaders, as friends, when we can help somebody find what feels right, find what that tingly feeling is. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we you, so many people helped your life get so much better and we, we never get back to thank them. And I think we all have this beautiful privilege, this beautiful opportunity to be that for somebody else. Yeah, that is a really nice way to, uh, to bring that to a close. And I think that's, 
<laughs> as you're making your, your list for 2020 of uh, uh, the things you want to, to get done, I think that's, you know, starting with that connection of with someone who has uh, meant something to you um, and to recognize that. And again, going back to the neuroscience, you are going to then give, share that, that tingly feeling with them. You're going to trigger all those neurochemicals for them. Absolutely. Josh, so thank you so much for your time during the holidays, and uh, uh, I'm sure the three kids have been are, are being very patient right now. <laughs> when's it gonna? When's it coming back? <laughs> um, so again, thank you so much for being here during the holidays. Again, if you'd like to learn more about Josh, uh, as he said, you know, connect with him on LinkedIn. Uh, please check out his site at uh, joshschneider.com. Uh, we are now going to take a break, and when we come back, we will be talking about the best of 2019 from uh, This Feels Right um, and how you can take some of those ideas into 2020. So thank you very much. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
are listening to TFR. This feels right. If you have a question or comment for Joel Silverstone, please send an email to joel at joelsilverstone.com. Again, that's joel at joelsilverstone.com. Now, back to TFR. Thank you, and welcome to the second half of our show. And as we go into 2020, I wanted to uh, take this opportunity to, A, uh, thank you all listeners for uh, being a part of the show, and the audience continues to grow. So really appreciate uh, you being a part of the show, and thank all the guests that have been with us for the the show that we've really only been a couple months into it. but um, you know what I want to share is, um, is some of the the great things that have come out from uh, from our guests from 2019 from TFR that uh, you listeners can take into 2020 to uh, to apply this as you're making your list and uh, resolutions for uh, for the next year. Uh, but also, um, you know, one of the one of the ideas behind this show, why I, I wanted to uh, to start this show, is that uh, uh, in in you know in 20 years of experience of going to different organizations, um, I was really noticing a, a gap that people were in sales or they were doing in coaching or they were in customer service or they were in difficult conversations, some of the courses and trainings and stuff that I've spoken about, um, that I noticed that the organizations are, are so focused that their peoples, whether it be the leaders or the uh, or the teams, uh, they're so focused on their, their agenda, they're so focused on the objective uh, that what they were missing was the the interaction where they were missing what I like to call the the clues and cues. What is actually going on uh, in front of them uh, for themselves? What's do they notice what's going on for themselves, and do they notice what's going on with the other person? Uh, and so there was there was huge gap about uh, not connecting on the emotional level where people go, yeah, this. This feels right, uh, even though you'll, you'll read tons of articles and see that it's important to connect with people on that emotional level, that we don't just make decisions with facts. In fact, you know, the, the formula that I like to think for the show is that uh, we, when we want to influence others without being manipulative or without authority, uh, we do need to speak to the, the facts. And so uh, when we do speak to the facts, the other person goes, yeah, I think this is right, that, that front part of the brain. But then when we speak to the emotions, when we connect with them genuinely, we, we pull them in by uh, by listening or by being empathetic or, or showing genuine interest in them, um, then the back part of the brain, the emotion is triggered and they go, yeah, this this feels right. Uh, so when the two are combined, where they go, yeah, I think this is right, and yeah, this feels right, then that person says, yeah, I know this is right. Um, so we're often too focused on the uh, on the facts. So that's the the premise behind uh, this show about, yeah, this feels right, is let's make sure that we do that. And what has been so validating about doing the show is that uh, the guests that we have had, um, that there is a, an enormous amount of support for this idea, and people are, have, are really going into organizations and, and speaking about the importance of of connecting uh, to to our our teams or to each other and it's not just for for leaders um, it is for all of us within our team so some of the themes that I keep hearing uh, throughout this uh, number one is this idea of authenticity uh, that we really need to be genuine and um, and that genuine is a great way to uh, to create that that trust. Uh, and it, it starts with about understanding ourselves, our purpose, our triggers, and then also about understanding the the people that we're speaking with, finding that alignment. Uh, our first show was about emotional intelligence. 
which is, uh, you know, many people have different versions of that. So our, our guests were Shaquille Barmal and uh, Jamel Lindo. Um, and, you know, for Shaquille, his, his impression of emotional intelligence is, um, is, is show genuine interest in the other person. So really being able to, to drop your agenda, to put your ego on hold uh, and find out what is important to that person. So everything you ask, everything you offer, everything that you do is connected to that idea of that genuine interest of what is important to them. So in other words, when you are listening to someone, if you listen without trying to solve the problem, but focus on listening about, listening to what is their care about, what is important to them, then that's how you start to have that alignment. That's how you're able to influence without being manipulative because you are now um, reacting to what is important to them. And that's another thing too, is, is to observe your reactions to that. So our, be able, our ability to slow it down, so to speak. Uh, now, Jamel is, uh, you know, Jamel Lindo, who's um, a, a expert on emotional intelligence, is really about his, his version was how do we use and manage the emotions, ours and the other person's, uh, to achieve our goals and then to be smart about it. Uh, so... If we are able to um, look at our triggers, you know, what to take that pause again, what is it that is triggering us? And then to be able to look at the other person and go, okay, well, what is potentially being uh, triggering them? But it really starts with that self-awareness, as he said, because self-awareness is the gateway uh, to, uh, to, you know, to asking yourself in that moment, uh, you know, why am I feeling this way? Or if I'm going to get up and do a presentation, as an example, why, why am I nervous? What is it I'm, I'm nervous about? And to be that honesty with yourself. Um, and as leaders, um, how important that is for leaders to understand that, uh, and we've heard this through many of our, our speakers, that if you want to have, create change within an organization, that as leaders, uh, emotional intelligence is really important because emotional intelligence, and I like this from Jim Ellie, said this, emotional intelligence is about understanding the people to be aligned uh, and not just uh, the, the profits, obviously, because the profits will come if we can get the people more aligned. And as we just heard from uh, from Josh Schneider, uh, it's it's so important that uh, that people are engaged. And uh, studies have shown neuroscience says that we we do we we ha we need both. We need uh, emotions and logic to substantiate our decisions because we tend to react emotionally. So give us some thought uh, to that about when you are. Um, reacting to something, is it a logical reaction at first or is it the emotions first and then we have that logic to substantiate it? Uh, an interesting story that uh, that uh, I've, I read in, um, I think it was Fast Company or Inc., and it's called Change or Die. And it's all about uh, being more aligned and sort of having changing our language uh, to be more aligned with that person. And uh, the premise is this, is that uh, they did a study in a hospital in Florida about um, patients who had heart bypass operations. And uh, when you've had a heart bypass operation, um, afterwards, you uh, you probably are going to have, you know, five good years, and then afterwards it will be a, a challenge. Hence the <laughs> title is called Change or Die. Um, 
what they dis- discovered, though, is that approximately uh, 15% of the patients uh, were thriving past that five-year mark, and they were wondering what was the difference. Uh, one of the d- biggest differences for those patients that were thriving was actually tied to one doctor who made the difference. Uh, now, you can well imagine if you were a doctor and you were talking to a heart bypass uh, patient, you would be telling them, you know, don't smoke, uh, you know, quit the stresses in your life, uh, change your diet. Uh, you'd be telling them very all these messages uh, of what they should be doing. Uh, this doctor cha- just changed the language around. And what I like to call this is that he, he pulled them in instead of pushing out the information. He pulled them in by really connecting with them. So he might say to, uh, to one patient, he might say, Jessica, I know you want to be there at your daughter's graduation. Or he might say to another patient, Dave, I know you want to be dancing at your uh, son or daughter's uh, wedding. Uh, and then if people didn't have friends or family, in other words, that, that, that was the purpose for them to to uh, to make these changes, um, he might just say to someone, um, Bill, I know you want to wake up tomorrow morning uh, and not be in pain. So when he was able to find a purpose for them, um, you know, as Josh would say, our previous guest, that, that tingly feeling, so to speak, he was able to connect with them just by changing the language um, had a huge impact. And that's one of the things about emotional intelligence is really being able to understand uh, what is important to that other person, as Shaquille Barmal said. Uh, let, let's talk now about uh, executive presence. Now, our, our, our next show was about getting your, aud- your, your people to be able to act as a team. And uh, we had Carol Lempert uh, and Stefan Morel. And both interesting guests because they come from a background of uh, film and television and uh, theater. And Stefan Morel is a film director and Carol Lempert is a former actress and playwright. Uh, now, Carol is a, a real communication skills expert. And uh, one of her specialties is around executive presence and how she's able to take some of the acting skills uh, and help um, leaders but this is this is for everybody not just leaders about uh, executive presence and she boils it down to three things which is see hear and feel so in other words um, let me take a back step and you know when we think of executive presence uh, we think all of us uh, would think, well, yeah, I, I have to be confident. I have to be charismatic. Um, and what Carol is saying is, is that, well, <laughs> most of us are not born that way. Most of, for most of us, it's, it's a challenge to, to get there. And if that's all your focus, I need to be more confident or I need to be more charismatic, there is actually some, some ways to do that, some techniques or skills to be able to do that. And the number one is, um, is C. So, for example, as an actor, what uh, what does the audience see when they see that actor on stage? Now, as a as a leader, as anyone within business, is what it, what are the people seeing when they see you? Are they seeing someone who is um, comfortable? Are they seeing someone who is grounded? Are they seeing someone who is um, being, you know, courageously confident is what I like to, I, I would like to call it. And courageously confident is really is you're able to, um, to, you know, to at least try to be uh, genuine. And then what do they hear? So not just the content of what you're saying, but it's the warmth in your voice and the 
and is there a curiosity in your voice when you're when they're when you're talking to them? Uh, do you sound interested when you are speaking to someone? Um, and you know, a good example of this is that when uh, a leader will come up and say, um, and this is Carol's example, I'm so excited about the fourth quarter. We're going to see a lot of big changes. Uh, people do not hear the excitement. So there is a, a complete disconnect. It is, it does not, it's not lined up. So the words do not match. And that's been proven that uh, people are going to be uh, bought in or buy in or be influenced when body language and tone of voice. So again, that see and that hear, when they are aligned, uh, then they'll believe the words, but the words alone are not going to be believable unless they see someone who is, uh, you know, genuinely passionate about this, excited about this, grounded, comfortable, so to speak. And they hear that in the voice. There is that that warmth in the voice. There is that energy in the voice. And then the last one, see here, the last one is feel. What do they feel in your presence? Uh, do they, um, how do, do you make that person feel comfortable about themselves uh, are you being again being authentic and again it's a big thing that came up is about that that vulnerability as a leader uh, are you able to um, to admit um, that you uh, maybe are not always the expert uh, in everything that you do uh, that you are looking for that that collaboration uh, in fact a lot of studies have shown that when uh, uh, leaders are able to share more of their their personal challenges or just in general just in challenges or obstacles uh, and how they maybe overcame them or they're still trying to find the answers to them uh, that people feel more connected and more trusting to them so executive presence really is see hear and feel um, and then we got the perspective from Stefan who was a uh, Stefan Morel was a film director uh, and I had him on the show because I'm always curious about a film director. We always think of the director as the tyrant. And Stefan is someone who uh, makes documentary films. And um, uh, and I like the way that he says uh, that uh, if you want to get people on board working on on a you know on an independent documentary film so it's it's not about the money because uh it, it is about the the work um but you need everyone to be on board is you have to create that uh that safety so um you have to be able to to create that that purpose for everyone, uh, and you have to create a, a safe place where people feel that they are also not just doing their job, but they are contributors to the ideas. Um, and and look at this film as a way to uh, learn about yourself um, and to uh, learn about the people that were that we're working with as well. So in other words, giving more a sense of purpose as you uh, unfold in. Um, in being a leader. Um, and one final note about Stefan is that, um, you know, he talks about storytelling and he said the best way to tell a story is to listen, uh, which is uh, such a big theme that has come up numerous times from all of our um, people here is about listening, uh, which is so important. And I like to say that listening for accuracy and uh, not assumptions is, uh, is key here. And I think where we get stuck in the listening is is our self-talk gets in the way. Uh, we're so focused on um, trying to solve it or trying to ask the next question or seeing how <laughs> is this is this somehow talking about are, are they talking about you? Um, 
Because our brain is funny that way. We are wired in that way that we can't tell the difference between uh, what is real or what is imaginary. So I'd like to take a little break here um, in the sense that I would like to share with you um, a little exercise uh, and to sort of test that difference between the brain and uh, what is real and what is imaginary. So take a second here and... What I'd like you to do is to imagine that you are, and you can do this with your eyes open, uh, to imagine that you are walking into your kitchen, uh, and on the counter, you see a big, juicy lemon on the kitchen counter. Uh, you approach it, and then you pull out a drawer from just underneath uh, the, the, uh, the lemon on the counter, take out a knife, cut a slice of the lemon, it squirts all over the place, uh, and then you take a big bite of the lemon. Now, what might happen, obviously, is sure, maybe your face, <laughs> uh, you know, went into that, that sort of squirmy position. Uh, but also what you may have noticed is that there's a lot of saliva in your mouth. Uh, your brain doesn't know the difference between real or imaginary. So your brain went ahead and created the saliva just for me describing that lemon exercise. So that, again, is one of the things that gets in the way of us being able to be present and to be genuine and to be able to listen uh, is that uh, we let sometimes our imagination uh, go forward as opposed to being in the moment and genuinely listening to what the person has to, uh, to speak um, versus tr- somehow trying to be the savior for that. Um, we also had Natasha Shivan, and, and this was interesting because Natasha is a uh, uh, comes from the world of consulting and uh, and procurement. Uh, and one of the things I, I learned about working with consultants, I, I did a lot of court work with uh, difficult conversations working with consultants, and uh, you know, I, I, we one of the courses we did again was uh, difficult conversation was around emotional intelligence and uh, uh, identifying emotions and all that. Uh, so when we would do a little practice scenario, um, like a role play, I would then ask the consultant afterwards, um, how did you feel, right? Uh, and often they were confused by that. Uh, in fact, my, my favorite answer is that one of the consultants said, mm, 6.7. And then the aha was that I was asking the wrong question. It wasn't how do you feel. It was to ask them, what do you think? So again, that adaptation of, of language uh, goes a long way because when you ask them, what do you think, their feelings came out, which is, oh yeah, well, I felt this. But when you ask them, what do you feel, they weren't able to process that. So again, just those small changes in language. So here we got Natasha Scheiben, uh from Pinwheel, uh, very, comes from a background of procurement. Um, and uh, she's doing a lot of stuff around unconscious bias, which is another way that another thing that gets in the way, which is, um, you know, as she said, 90% of us, we don't want to be judging, but we have been conditioned um, and we it gets in the way. It's our uh, it's our, our judgment. It's our assessment. It's our evaluation uh, that gets in the way, or our preconditioned. It gets in the way of us being able to to be present, to to listen, to be empathetic. Um, so that unconscious bias is just pause and just go. Am I really being present and listening to this person? Uh, we also had Catherine Hayos, who was uh, the senior learning director for Optimus SBR, uh, and you know, 
what I loved about her was talking about uh, the voice work because voice is the gateway to uh, to so much. As she said, it's an instrument. Um, as we heard, it's the tone of voice that we give. Is there warmth in our voice? Is there curiosity in the voice? And she shared this great example of working with a leader, and she couldn't get him to to really find that warmth and find that passion in his voice. And then all of a sudden his his daughter phones and everything that she was trying to do just came out naturally. So it is it is there. Uh, and it's, it's being able to tap into uh, knowing how we are in reality uh, versus sometimes where we feel we have to put on this mask as as a leader or put on a mask in, uh, in business. Um, and Kristen Sherry from uh, UMAP, you know, really said that um, – you know, if we want to be competent, it's we have to show that we care about the person. If we care about them, then they're going to trust us. Um, if they're going to trust us, we obviously have to be fair um, and that that openness that we need to be, uh, as well as being competent when we are communicating with others. Uh, and this brought us to our our final uh, guest, which was the 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 coach of Palooza. <laughs> as I say, we had so many uh, coaches with us, and um, to bring this to a close is uh is really is is listening is the gateway to influence it was one of the big takeaways from that that coach of palooza whether we're doing presentations uh difficult conversations is know your audience uh know why they should care about this what is their purpose in in doing this um and then and then just listen as the gateway to be able to influence them. Uh, it has really been a terrific uh, start to 2019. And uh, obviously, we can get to all of the guests and all of the great tidbits. So I encourage you to go back and listen to the shows. Um, and we've got some great guests lined up for 2020. In fact, uh, next week, we'll be uh, really starting 2020 with uh, um, some great ideas about uh how to really connect with ourselves and and how to connect with others. So I want to thank everyone for a terrific 2019. Uh, please, if you have any comments or questions or thoughts about this feels right or maybe something doesn't feel right, uh, please let us know. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Joel Silverstone on LinkedIn. Uh, Twitter at Silverstone Talk. Or come on over to my website, joelsilverstone.com, or email me, joel at joelsilverstone.com. I'd love to hear from you. I've uh, been getting some great feedback, so I'd love to hear more from uh, maybe people we haven't heard from yet. Uh, anything you'd like to see on the show or comments or questions, please feel free. Uh, please enjoy uh, the rest of 2019 uh, and continue 2020 to be able to communicate with uh, being authentic, by being present. Listen for accuracy, not assumptions, uh, and all the best. And this has been This Feels Right with Joel Sosone. And I look forward to uh, seeing and hearing you in 2020. Thank you for tuning in to TFR. This feels right. Please join host Joel Silverstone for another edition next Friday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again soon. 